WBC Mortgage, Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Dallas Cowboys Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters. From Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters. At the Star in Frisco. Brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And by SWBC Mortgage. Customized solutions to help you meet your personal and business goals. Visit SWBC.com. Now, your host, Shannon Gross. Welcome to the first installment of 2020 of the Happy Hour live from the Star in Frisco. At least half the crew is, is live from the Star in Frisco. I am joined on site at the Star by my one of my co-hosts, Nick Eatman, my former office mate that it's it's been a while since we've been face to face man it's been a while got this glass between us yeah here. this plexiglass divider here i feel really safe and secure across <laughs> from you uh we're joined on the show tonight by rj choppy of 105.3 the fan and also our special special guest for the next hour drew pearson welcome to the show fellas man thanks for having me thank you welcome all right. Let's get this. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Drew, you, loud Drew. and clear. The so, man. So let I tell you what. All right. There's so many different ways we can start this show. Let's just let's get right to it, Drew. I am super fired up. I'm excited. It's long overdue. Nick and I were just talking about this before we came on the air. Your bid for the for the Hall of Fame is right there in front of you. How do you feel about it? Are you are you kind of reserved a little bit and just waiting till it happens are you excited what have they told you what what is going on with that i would say all of the above okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious man but first let me say it was kind of easy to uh, get me on this show today because when emily from the cowboys called and asked me to do it first thing she mentioned was happy hour and I said, I'll do it, okay? <laughs> Anything with happy hour, I want to be part of, okay? But anyway, I had all kinds of, uh, I have all kinds of feelings about it. I'm, I'm trying to be cool and keep my feet planted firmly on the ground and not get too excited. Uh, I'm not in officially yet. Uh, I need 80% of that vote. So if you ask me, uh, what are my chances at this point? I would say 80%. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll never, see what happens with that. Yeah, RJ, I don't know how you feel about this. I've I've actually never been in a fight, but if if you don't get eighty percent, Drew, I think I'm going to try to fight someone in that committee. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I mean, I, yeah. what else hey, we got to do? I think I don't think you'll be by yourself. Yeah, I think yeah. You have, <laughs> I think you have an army of, of people, fans, family, yeah. and friends uh, uh, helping you out. Yeah. That's for I, sure. Yeah. I, I got your back, Drew. That's for sure. I'm not much of a fighter. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> Well, but uh, you don't, you don't need. You're from Jersey. You're good. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I got We hey, top. We talk our way out of stuff, right? We do. <laughs> we do. That's right. We talk our way out. <laughs> yeah, we know that. We know that because our, we we've seen the draft a few years ago. We know, <laughs> Drew, uh, you, you're willing to talk about some stuff. Almost got in a fight up there at Philly. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I had to uh, have uh, full security to get out of there. I, no uh, doubt. Uh, and they they stayed with me all night. They stood uh, standing uh, <laughs> not, not in my room or anything, but they were outside the uh, body elevator. If I went down, I needed to call them or anything like that. They were concerned, and of course, you know they're from Philly, so they know what to do when when you're uh, agitating uh, Philadelphia <laughs> fans. That's for sure. I, I was going to share this story. I was, at, I was working at the Star the other day. 
uh, just sitting there, and I got a phone call on my desk, and, and the guy said, hey, I have a couple of things that I really need to talk about. I have no idea who this is, and I have no idea what he's going to talk about. And he goes, we have to figure out how to get Drew Pearson in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what we can do, but I think – I think we're in good shape. I think it's going to happen, but I mean, he had this whole thing laid out, and I'm like, I don't know if you think I'm David Baker or not. I don't know who you think you're calling here, wow. but uh, I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah, well, you know, I've been getting all kinds of uh, support. It's amazing. You know, you go January, and you're so disappointed the way, the way that thing turned out. And then you didn't even have to wait a whole year. You know, mm-hmm. God is good, and he made me wait eight months and said, hey, Drew, this is your time, and uh, hopefully uh, this will be my time. But the ironic thing is, back in January with the Centennial class, I was a finalist there. That was the first time being a finalist. And so, you know, I was pretty pumped up. So I had everybody here. I wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, with everybody, family, friends, and had all the media here. I worked for every station in the Metroplex since I've been in Dallas. So I had one person, one station would ask, can they come and then say, yeah. And then the next one would say, how do you say no? So they all were here. But anyway, you go through that emotion because it didn't happen for you. And everybody in the world saw how that hurt me. And then, you know, all the, the feedback and the uh, support I got was just tremendous. And that helped me through that. But then you go eight months later, you're not even expecting a phone call. Mm-hmm. Okay. You didn't even know they were voting that particular day uh, for the senior nominee. And I uh, was out doing some yard work, came in and chilling by the pool. And the next thing you know, the phone rings with 330 area code. And I knew that was Canton, Ohio. And guys, I've been to Canton, Ohio a few times, including uh, uh, last year when Gil Brandt was inducted into the NFL uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And trust me, I met no girls in Canton, Ohio. So I knew it couldn't be. <laughs> I couldn't have been no girls. I think there's only football players and uh, truck drivers in Canton. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, well, man. What, what a- kind of yard work were you doing? What kind of yard work? Oh, I was uh, just pulling some weeds out of the uh, front right. yard. Okay. And, uh, you know, people drive by and they, they they don't realize this is Drew Pearson out here doing yard work. But uh, yeah. <laughs> if they did, I wish they would stop by and help me out. Uh, there you, there go. you go. An open invite to Drew Pearson's house. Anytime you see him out in the yard, just stop and, and hang out. So that's not just a cliche. You know, you were one of those receivers that would do all the dirty work, get your hands dirty, you know, that, 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 that really happens even now. Yeah, it really happens. And, uh, you know, we didn't make the money like these guys are getting. We didn't get $54 million for two years and $42 million guaranteed. Wow. <laughs> like uh, the boy in Houston just signed. The man in Houston just signed. Arizona. For. Yeah. Arizona? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Arizona yeah. now. So, uh, you know, I'm like saying, no, we didn't make that kind of money. So we got to do a lot of things on, on our own. We can't, we can't be hiring people. We don't have it like that. Oh. <laughs> well, we've got a new coaching staff in town. We've got some new players. The core of this team is basically intact, but you, you got a lot of new moving parts. RJ, kick us off. What, what area or areas do you think the Cowboys need to improve the most this season to, to make a playoff run? This year, honestly, I you know, special teams was a problem last year. The kicking game was a problem. We all know that. I I, I still am dumbfounded as to how they went eight and eight. 
Like I, I'm still blown away that that team went eight and eight last year. I'm almost thinking like they could just roll out the same team, get league average defense, and, and find a way to get to ten and six. Like they were just some so many things had to go wrong. They had to decide to not keep throwing with Dak when they're you know marching down the field against Minnesota. They had to miss a fourth and one against the Jets. They had to you know settle for a field goal against New England. They missed you know a handful of kicks that would have uh, potentially won them games or put them in a position where they could have won games late. Dude, I, I, I still – I go back to last season. I still don't know what happened. I, I still don't know how they went 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm, I'm literally sitting here like if their special teams improves the league average and their defense stays about the same, this is a 10-win team. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. Drew, you're, you're super tuned into this team. You do a lot of uh, stuff for us, you know, for DallasCowboys.com and on our broadcast. What do you think? Do they need to improve or do they just need to play better? Well, I think they need to do both. If they play better, then they'll improve, you know. But I think the big thing with this team is now, I, with McCarthy in there, they have a new voice to be accountable to, mm. you know. I don't think they're, they're, the mistakes that they were making, uh, they never felt they had to be accountable to anybody because, you know, I mean, the, I don't think that, dis, that type of discipline was within that football team. Now, I don't know for sure. I'm not in that locker room. But from what I see from the outside, from my view, you know, and when you see the same mistakes happening on the field, then no one's being accountable for those mistakes. You know, the Cowboys dropped 36 passes last season. 36 passes. Wow. You know, how do you drop that many passes? I never dropped 36 passes in my life, including <laughs> practice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, so if they make a mistake, hopefully it'll be corrected this time, and that'll make them better as they go, go along. But I think the real change for this defense and the wild card, with all the acquisitions they made in the offseason, the changes they made in the offseason, the real difference will be Mike Nolan as the defensive coordinator. We needed to make a change on that defensive side. We needed more of an attacking-type defense instead of a lay-back and try to uh, catch and bend-don't-break type of defense. And so hopefully now with this new defense, sometimes we'll be in a 3-4 or a 4-3, with this new defense and attacking with the personnel we have and, and the things we did in the offseason with bringing in Smith and, and uh, Griffin and uh, Poe Guys like that and bringing those guys in uh, to shore up the defensive line. Now you got to have that type of defense where you're attacking the offense and trying to get to that quarterback. And then when you do that, that's when you're going to start having the turnovers. That's when you'll see interceptions and things like that from our defensive secondary, which, uh, you know, you play that bend don't break type defense. Uh, you know, back in the day, I used to relish those kind of defenses. We used to get those kind of defenses really in a two-minute situation. You know, they call it the prevent defense, and all it did was prevent you from winning. <laughs> and so you get that kind of soft defense as a receiver. You know, you, you relish that. But if you're getting bumped around and the coverages are being mixed up, the quarterback doesn't have uh, all the time in the world to throw the football, that's when you start having – uh, the, the turnovers and get those interceptions. So to make a long story short, I think the real change with this team and the improvement will be on the defensive side, and a lot has to do with Mike Nolan being the defensive coordinator. Nick, anything jump out at you that they need to improve on? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
both RJ and Drew said it, said it best. I mean, it's it's a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, in offense, they've done that. They, they've added a playmaker that, that fell in their lap in the draft, and, and I think he will really help in CD Lamb. I think the the, the scheme part in defense is is a, is critical. Uh, we heard all the time about how this defense was really easy for players mm-hmm. to learn. Well, if it's easy for a player to learn, I bet you it's easy for an offensive coordinator to figure it out as well. <laughs> and so yeah, I, right? I think that that that's going to be a big change there. And and I. I'm not one that's going to sit and bash Jason Garrett. I, I think Jason Garrett was a pretty good coach, but pretty good is not good enough for the Dallas Cowboys. It never has been, and so it was time to move on. You can't just keep saying trust the process, 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 because the process wasn't working. You know, 88 is great on a uniform. 8-8 eight and eight is not good for a record. <laughs> Okay, we, we know that. So, right so that you know, we we uh, I, it was time for a change. It was time for a new voice, and you know, and that's something, Drew. You don't know anything about, really. I guess from a head coaching standpoint, you never had a new voice and never needed to. I'm sure there was different coaches and, and that that came and went, but it is kind of different to have a a new voice as a head coach. Yeah, it really is, and somebody yeah. that they respect. And you know, McCarthy comes in with the track record. Uh, of success uh, in this game. So, you know, he brings a level of uh, uh, success with him. And because of that, you know, the guys will start certainly listen to what he has to say. And I think the guys would be excited about this, you know, that a new voice. You're yeah. right. I never had to experience that. And, and thank goodness, because, you know, Coach Landry was all everything. And uh, it would have been different if we weren't playing for him, if the change had been made sometime uh, within my career. But they needed a change, and this change is good for the Dallas Cowboys. And actually, we're really lucky that McCarthy was available, and we were mm-hmm. able to get him. You know, he was a hot commodity on the on the uh, coaching circuit there, as far as who was available. So we're lucky to have him. And I think that his just the demeanor, his size, and things like that would just get a different respect from the players. And they, they need that. They need that. We're tired of 8-8. Eight and eight. How many years under Garrett did we go 8-8? Eight and eight? Four times, I think? I think that's right. Yeah, it's four. Yeah, so we need – and you're right, guys. We're better than 8-8. Eight and eight. With the personnel we have, we should be better than 8-8. Eight and eight. It was a disappointing season last year to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, speaking of all these 8-8s, eight and eights, we are joined by the great 88, Drew Pearson. And we are going to talk next after this break about the new 88, C.D. Lamb and – what we expect out of him, what's fair to expect out of him, and there's going to be a lot of balls flying around this team this year. Are there enough balls to go around for all the offensive firepower you have on this team? We're going to get into that and more when we come back. You're listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Yeah, check this out. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Welcome back to the Happy Hour live from the Star in Frisco. Shannon Gross, Nick Eatman, RJ Choppy, and special guest number 88, Drew Pearson. And speaking of 88s, there's a new 88 in town, and this 88 number is becoming a special thing here in Dallas. Uh, Drew, when you, when you heard that they drafted C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma, what were your initial thoughts? And then when the, the 88 number started being thrown around and you realized he was going to be wearing that, what would you think about that? Yeah, I was excited about it. I was uh, really surprised that he felt – uh, to the Cowboys at the, the position in the draft. And, uh, you know, when you're drafting in that first round, you know, Gil Brandt always had the philosophy when when he was drafting back in the day, he didn't draft for need. He always drafted the best player available when their time came up to pick. And I think that's what the Cowboys did in this situation. They took the best player available, and they're lucky that he was available because there's no question he's a top 10 pick. And uh, if you get all them quarterbacks and everybody else out of there, he'd be a top five pick. But anyway, I think uh, he's what the Cowboys need. They got a great receiving core without him. Gallup and Cooper certainly bring something to the table. Uh, Gallup, um, excuse me, Cooper got that new contract, so we're going to expect a little more out of him than what he did uh, last season. He had eight touchdowns. Uh, hopefully, maybe this season he can improve on that and get himself in the end zone a little more. But I think a big reason that he might improve and Gallup as well is because of C.D. Lamb and the attention that he's going to uh, get because he's that type of receiver. You know, you throw him the bubble screen and he picks up a couple blocks and he's gone. OK, he's that kind of receiver that can get the ball where the action kind of starts once he catches the football uh, because he, you know, at Oklahoma, he averaged 21 yards a catch, you know, something like that. So that's, that's amazing on 60 some catches. But. Uh, so anyway, he's a game-breaking type receiver. Uh, I'm glad they anointed him the uh, number 88 uh, because I think he's worthy of carrying that on and continuing the legacy. And so I'm excited about seeing what he can do. And maybe he'll even do something on special teams. I don't know if they'll put him out there on um, punt returns or kick returns. I know when I was a rookie, I returned kickoffs and punts. And that's how I made the traveling squad every week, uh, running those kickoffs and punts and even going down on kickoff coverage, and that was a sight to see. And you guys, when the uh, opponents uh, found out I was the end man on the kickoff coverage team, that wedge came at me each and every time. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Landry used to say, stick your head in there, bust that wedge up. <laughs> I said, Coach, I hear you, but uh, I got to live to play another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, so, anyway, I think C.D. Lamb will be a great addition to the offense. And, you know, Dak passed for almost 5,000 yards with the 36 drops last season. So the passing game will improve. The running game will improve. Everything's intact from last season. Just picking up the new offense and the new strategies that they're going to implement and take it from there. But I think they can average 28 to 30 points a game on the, with this offense. R.J., you know from, from your show that, this is the most excited our fan base has been probably since they drafted Dez with with a, yeah. a draft pick. What what are your what do you think fair expectations are for CD first his first game this weekend and then overall for the season? What do you think is is a fair bar to set for him this year? 
You know, I, I think the yeah, I think the fair Go bar. Ahead. Sorry, Drew. I think the fair bar for him would be like you know, anything beyond Randall Cobb, right? I mean, he had 850 yards, that, and that's that's a lot. Like that's the, for a third, especially for a guy who's they got three receivers that they're they're, they're dishing the ball out to. You know, I think anything eclipsing that. I mean, let's let's forget like he's a rookie, right? And rookie receivers don't always come into the league and just dominate day one. I know Anquan Bolden had like 200 yards receiving in his first week, uh, but that's like not, that's not the norm, is it? You know, so. You know, I, I don't want to set the bar too high and then be disappointed. I, I mean, I think if you get him up to about 900 yards receiving, that means the other two guys are probably in the thousands. That That's looking like a really, really, really strong start to a career for somebody. Well, you know, RJ, the reason Anquan Bolden had such a great first game is because he was a former <laughs> quarterback. You know, those wide uh, receivers that play quarterback in college, they yeah. tend to just come right in and do well. You know what I mean, Drew? That's right. You got that right. You got that right. We're very, we're very cerebral coming in. I, I, I remember this. I was, I was really, I was a little kid, and like the 1982 season NFC Championship game, and the Cowboys lost to the Redskins. Very tough loss. And the game was supposed to be over, but then there was a couple seconds on the clock or something. The team had already gone in. Drew, I think you actually went and took a, a snap right at at the end of that game. I certainly did. I certainly did. And the, the trivia question is, what high school produced two uh, quarterbacks in that champ- in that playoff game at RFK? That's the one you're talking about, right? Right, yes. Yeah, and uh, I took the snap. But the other quarterback was Joe Thibman. We played together at South River High School. But didn't when I that. took that snap across the line, I came to the line of scrimmage. Danny White was late getting in the huddle. I said, I got this, Danny. And I uh, looked over across the line of scrimmage. I said, ooh, maybe Danny should do this because Big Dave Butts was looking at me. <laughs> and he said, Drew, don't you go nowhere. I said, don't worry, Mr. Butts. So I took, I took that snap and I, did a, I did a, took a knee and it ended the, the game. And we lost, unfortunately. So. Yeah. But, yeah. But I threw three touchdown passes in the NFL. Nobody talks about that very, very much. You know, actually, that's in my that's in my last segment. You just you just blew that for me, Drew. I was okay, actually going to so. talk about that. Let's start. No, no. Well, wait. Well, let's let's wait. That's a good tease. Okay, we'll okay, okay. okay. That's a tease. We're yeah. going to have stick around for the last segment because we're going to have fun with Drew Pearson in that segment. Nice. So we'll include that in there. So this has been a, a hot topic. You know, with all the offensive firepower, with McCarthy coming in and his history working with Aaron Rodgers and, and being a quarterback's guy, you know, the talk of a three 1,000-yard receivers, then what do you do? Where does Blake Jarwin fit in? Where does Zeke fit into the passing game? Tony Pollard, are there enough balls to go around? And is it is this just going to be a team where each week – the defense is going to have to pick their poison and just say, okay, we can, we can only stop one of these guys and the rest of them we're going to have to take our chances. How, how do you all feel about the offense? Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. I, I don't like the, the, the talk of three 1,000-yard receivers. It sounds good. It sounds fun. But I, if that happens, I don't think that's good for this team. I really don't. I, I believe that, that less is more for Dak. If he has less passing yards and Zeke has more rushing yards, they're going to be winning more games in the fourth quarter, running out the clock, and they won't have to throw the ball and throw themselves back into games. Still be very productive. That's fine to, to have some of the firepower. But I think that the, for, as far as those stats goes, that's not really what you want to have 5,000 yard passers. I think you'd, you'd like to be closer to 4,000 and, and the running game be a little bit higher. That's just my take. Well, that's a good take. That's a good take. And uh, yeah, for, for Cobb, I mean, for CD, 
uh, what is that? RJ said Cobb's numbers would be a, a nice ceiling for him if he could get 800 yards. I, I would like to see more touchdowns than Cobb scored. Scott, Cobb scored at three, I think. Right. Cobb. And so I'd like to see that uh, improve out of us, uh, CD Lamb. So we'll see what happens. But I think with this offense, you got a lot of weapons. And what you do is you keep the defense off balance. And, you, you know, there's no number one receiver. You know, back in the day, Tony Hill and I and Billy Joe, we didn't think about no number one receiver. Who's number one? Who's number two? We didn't think about that. Whoever gets the football is number one. You know, whoever's getting the ball thrown to him is number one in that mm-hmm. situation. So you got to make that play. So if we just spread that ball around and incorporate that running game and let that be the lead, that will open up everything else. If they have to stack that back box uh, with extra players and bringing a defensive safety down into the box to stop the running game, then you know that's going to open things up in the secondary in the passing game. So it needs to be a balanced offense. And, you know, it's, temp- it's tempting to want to just throw that football. And I think you're right. If they go over 5,000 yards, it might not be in the best interest of the Dallas Cowboys offense this season. All right, we're going to take our second break. When we come back, we've got Drew Pearson with us, RJ Choppy from 105.3 The Fan, Nick Eatman, I'm Shannon Gross. We're going to talk a little Cowboys versus Rams. In case you didn't know, there's a uh, NFL football game this weekend featuring the Dallas Cowboys out in L.A. We're going to talk 60 years of Cowboys football. And, Drew, I want to know what it was like the first game of every season that you that you played. What was the mindset and what was that like training the entire offseason and then starting uh, a new year? Let's get into all that and so much more whenever we come back. You're listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Check this out. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Welcome back. Nick, did you know that at SWBC, customized solutions for individuals and businesses are just one click away? No, I thought it was two, but one. It's one, yeah. Okay. It's one. Visit swbc.com to learn more and start your next adventure. And we are going to start the adventure of the third segment here. And I want to ask our good buddy RJ of 105.3 The Fan, who has more to prove this weekend, Jared Goff or Dak Prescott? Well, Jared Goff's gotten paid already, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. There you go. Uh, I, I, I revolve my life around the almighty dollar. I mean, and let's be fair. I mean, Jared's also been to a Super Bowl, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand long-term a lot of people are kind of souring on Jared, but we've seen first-round uh, you know, number one overall picks like Sam Bradford get chance after chance after chance. So I, I don't know. what I mean, the guy's got, he's got one of the highest contracts in the league. I would probably say Dak, but honestly, I don't think either one of them have a whole ton. You know, they've 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 proved that they're top twelve quarterbacks in the league, fifteen, you know, whatever whatever you want to consider. I think Dak's top six. Whatever you want to consider golf, I mean, I think they've proven that they're, you know, quality franchise type starting quarterbacks. Okay, the Rams were nine and seven last year, missed the playoffs thirteen and three, obviously the year before with the Super Bowl appearance. Which team do you think, Nick, we're going to see this weekend? when the Cowboys travel out to L.A.? Uh, you know, it, I doubt we'll see the team the Cowboys just rolled over there in, in December. I bet they're going to be better than that. You know, the interesting thing about that 9-7 and seven is that if the, if the rules were changed like they are now with the NFL, uh, seven NFL playoff teams, the Rams would have made it. Uh, they're over the Cowboys uh, in, in that last spot, but but yeah, I think that they're going to be better, and 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 I, I think that they're going to, you know, they got a new defensive coordinator. Uh, they don't have Todd Gurley anymore. They got about seven running backs over there. They're you know trying to figure that out, but. You know, it's probably just like it is here. You know, you don't know what to expect with no preseason games and kind of some new coaching. Not not a new head coach, but some new coaches there. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have some new wrinkles. We're joined on the program by Drew Pearson. Drew, you know a thing or two about going up against uh, some good defensive backs. Jalen Ramsey, the news came out this week. He is now the highest paid defensive back of all time. How do you game plan for a guy like that if you're a receiver? If I, uh, I'd go at him, you know, I, a lot of teams, when they see the best cornerback, the shut down guy on that side of the field, shutting down the whole side of the field or whatever, or even following the number one receiver all around the field, you know, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of that. You gotta go at him, you know, he's, I know you, you gotta respect him, but, but the best thing, way to attack these, uh, quality cornerbacks is, is to go at him. And I think we can do that. Get him back on his heels instead of having him on, having us on our heels. Mm -hmm. So if we ta attack him and go at him, I think uh, we'll give him a chance to prove that he's worthy of that money. Drew, I, 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 this is kind of off topic here. I'm kind of messing up Shannon's uh, flow. But I'm just curious, who was the best <laughs> cornerback you ever faced? Mr. Mel Blunt, sir. Mel Blunt. All right. <laughs> was and quick. I say that with... What, yes, I did. Yes, it is. I hope you. I, I, I'm. I'm glad you picked that up because that's how much I respect him. He was by far the best, and a lot of it had to do with uh, number one, his size. He was six four, two o five. 
He ran a four five forty six four cornerback. Can you believe that? He ran he ran a four five forty, and then he was in that Pittsburgh defense, and they played the right defense to fit his style of play. You know, back in my first what five years in the league, uh, you know the re- the receiver could get bumped all over the field. The defensive back could cut you at the line of scrimmage. He could bump you all the way downfield as long as the ball wasn't in the air. In 1979, they changed the rule with the five-yard bump, and to this day, they call it the Mel Blunt rule. And it's simply because you couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. If you did get off the line of scrimmage, you had to go outside because he was not going to let you go inside. Hmm. If I caught any pass against the Steelers uh, in all the games I played against them, including two Super Bowls, it was, the passes I caught were either on first or second down. Very seldom I caught anything on third down because of the type of defense they played wow. where Tony Hill and I would take those two guys out because if there's Mel dogging you at the line of scrimmage, then the safety's picking up deep. So that's two guys. And if you do that on the other side, we call that a 41-46 defense back in the day. And so what we did, Tony Hill and I on third down, we just cleared it out for underneath where Preston Pearson, Billy Joe Dupree, and whomever else uh, could catch passes underneath, and Butch Johnson as well. Drew, who was the who was the uh, the best player you played with, not just against, but on the same team? Wow, wow, that that's that's pretty hard to uh, to say, you know, because you know I I expand I I, I, ex, I expanded uh, spanned. A couple eras, you know, when I came in, Bob Lilly was still there. Leroy Jordan was still there. You know, guys like that. Calvin Hill was still there, you know. So, man, those guys were great players, even though they were at the end of their careers. And you watch the way they approached the game and the way they did things. And you say, wow, you better get in line and do it the same way. But then after those guys retired and, you know, probably Staubach and Randy White would get a lot of votes for the best player I played with because every Monday – after a Sunday game, we'd get in that meeting room and Coach Landry would sing praises about Randy White. And we would get tired of hearing it until we saw the film and what he was doing out there on the field. And then we said, wow, we started then singing Randy White's praises. So he might be the best. What about Tony Dorsett and the things he did for our offense? So we had a lot of good players, that, and I can't really pick one to be the best. David Moore picked that all-time Cowboy team from, from the uh, Landry era, and I think that's a pr- pretty good indication of uh, the type of players we had uh, on the team back in the day with Coach Landry. Well, David Moore was on our, our panel, Drew. We did a 14-person panel just the other day, top 60 players in Cowboys history, um, and Roger was number one. Bob Lilly was two. You just mentioned Dorsett was was nine. So you know, I, I bet you don't have no problems with with Roger and Bob Lilly, like you just said, being one and two. There were some no. people, there, younger people. There were some people that were that that thought Emmett Smith. You know, surprised that he's number three, but. That's the Dallas Cowboys. That's what it is. I mean, you're going to have hey, there were some Hall of Famers in the in the teens there. There's not many franchises that have Hall of Famers in in you know in the top fifteen to twenty of their franchise. Yeah, you're right, and uh, you know uh, that list they compiled. I know it had to be a 
difficult task, a difficult thing to do. Yeah, it, I'm raising so my many, hand. There's because so many great, yeah, I'm so the many one, great players. I'm the one getting the emails. I was the one that kind of put it all together. <laughs> yeah, so. Drew, so if you, have a, if you have a beef with being at 15, you should air your grievance now because Nick's the one that compiled the panel that put that list together. So let him have it if you're not okay with being no, 15. No, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, okay I'm okay with 15 <laughs> because everybody ahead of me is a Hall of Famer or soon to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay, the only two that aren't Hall of Famers, DeMarcus Ware and Jason Witten, and you know both of those guys eventually will be Hall right. of Famers. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with 15. You're okay you with know? that? Yeah, as long as they put an HOF after my name, they could, put me, <laughs> they could make me 100. I don't care. <laughs> a few more Number weeks, it'll happen. A few more hey, weeks, it'll be there, right? Well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> RJ, uh, back to the – I think all of us are just so ready for football. We're chomping at the bit to to see football in general, but you know, especially Cowboy fans with you know a new coaching staff coming in, some new energy around this team. RJ, on Sunday, what's one aspect of the game that you just cannot wait to sit down and consume and watch, and you're just fired up to sit down and and check it out? Honestly, so it, it has nothing to do with the actual play of the field. I, I want to see what the game's like without the fans. Ooh, like that's it. Like this because this it's such a letdown. I feel bad because you know this stadium is supposed to be so awesome mm -hmm. in L.A. And I feel bad that you know like the Rams are not going to really be able to get the full value and the maximization of like what it feels like to play in that stadium in front of people for the first time. It's a benefit to us, and I'm grateful for that, but. You know, I do feel bad for the Ram players. I, like, I'm really interested to see the game without the fans and, and with the piped-in crowd noise. And we, I know we've seen it in the NBA, but the NBA is like in a bingo hall, right? It's a weird – it's like, <laughs> it's just like they're not in a stadium stadium. And then Major League Baseball, they've got those those cardboard cutout fans. I just want to see what the NFL does. So I, I, that, that to me is the, is, the, is the most intriguing aspect that I'm looking for outside of the game for the, for the first weekend. Nick? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think RJ makes a good point. There's so much talk about what things look like, what things, how things are going to go before the kickoff. You know, that's why I think tomorrow night's game is going to be one of the most highly watched games ever. Not just because you got Mahomes. I mean, he's the, he's like NFL star, but also just like what about with with no fans? Are the players going to kneel? I mean, what, what's going on? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions before they actually kick things off. So uh, there's so many things to, to, to look at. I don't know if we answered your question right, but, I mean, that that's what's so weird about this is that, you know, that you know, I always say this. You know, in training camp, you're supposed to ask, well, who's going to play left guard? Who's going to be the punt returner? Who's gonna... Now our questions are, are they going to play games? Are they going to practice tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, like just you know, are they going to wear masks? I mean, all these weird things that we never had in our lives before. So I, I think that's what you know we're going to be thinking about. Yeah, Drew. What's the question? What what one thing on the game Sunday that you can't wait? One um, aspect of the game, or like you know, RJ and Nick said, it's actually maybe not even the game itself. It's just the things outside of the game because it's such a different year. But is there anything that you're really excited to? to see because it's been so long since we've had football. Yeah, I, I, I just want to see how, uh, uh, how the players react with no fans in the stands. You know, with all due respect to fans, you know, I didn't play the game to hear crowd noise. That didn't mo motivate me. Yeah, it right. kept me up or got me going. But, you know, 
when the fans cheered after catching a, a, a pass over the middle on third and 12, you get it for 13 yards and the crowd's going wild. I don't look at the crowd. I just hear the crowd, you know. So if they could continue to pipe that crowd noise in like they've been doing, really, they really do it great in baseball. And in basketball here, I'm watching mm-hmm. the game with Boston and Toronto. They've done a good job of timing the crowd noise to put in. And that's all the players really need. So that's what I'm going to see. If the players can uh, play under these circumstances and play the game of NFL football like it's supposed to be played. Good stuff. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, I want to get you guys, I want to get your expectations for the team this season. And we're going to play rotating host. I'm going to let you guys ask Drew Pearson your questions. Let's do that. It makes my job easier and makes me just chill the last segment and not have to do very much. You are listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Check this out. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Welcome back. SWBC Mortgage customized solutions to help you meet your personal and business goals. Visit SWBC.com. Shannon Gross joined by Nick Eatman, RJ Choppy, and very special guest Drew Pearson. Final segment of the show. I'll kick it off. We're going to play rotating hosts, but I'll kick this one off, and then we'll go to you, RJ, and then we'll go to you, Nick. All right. 60 years of Cowboys football. We talked about the list earlier. Um, the reason why, Nick, you guys put that panel together and did a list is because it's we're celebrating 60 years of Cowboys football this year. Um, and then, Drew, you had a great career. Uh, you're known for several great catches in team history, the Hail Mary, the game winner against Atlanta in the playoffs, but – do you have a favorite catch or, or one of those your favorite catch or there, is there a different catch that sticks out to you that is your favorite? Well, back when I played, the favorite was always the next one, you know, <laughs> just trying to make another play, <laughs> you know. If the quarterback's throwing to me, he's not throwing any ba- – that's not a bad pass as long as he throws it to me, you know. So that's, that's the thing. But, you know, people ask me that question – uh, quite a bit and they they always think it's going to be I'm going to refer to the Hail Mary and there's no question that's the the most popular uh, catch I ever made but the ones that stick out more than anything are the ones I caught on third and long situations where Roger called that 16 pass and that was for me to go down 15 20 yards and break into the middle of the defense and catch that ball over the middle say if it's third and 12 you catch it over the middle for 13 yards in the first down and you move the chains those were the things that stick out to me more than anything like the game winning catches and things like that uh last minute catches and things like that so no it was the first you know i averaged 16 yards a catch on 489 catches so every catch i made was you know good for a first down and uh, tony hill and i we prided ourselves uh, on that, you know, Tony Hill finished his, his career with 16.8 uh, yards a catch, almost 17 yards a catch. So we were getting downfield. But those were the big catches for me. Any catch I can uh, make on uh, third down where the defense knows you're the guy, you know, they know Rogers coming to you. You know, even when I made those catches at the end of the game, the defenses knew they were coming to me, but you still work those defenses and uh, quarterbacks have still have confidence to go to you. So everybody know you're going over that middle to make that catch. And so after you make that catch and get that first down, you don't walk back to the huddle regularly. You walk back with a strut, man. You, you're the man now. <laughs> you take that football, you stick it in that guy's face, and you say, what flavor is it today? <laughs> well, the, most, the most underrated catch, I think, in Cowboys history is one you're just talking about where right before the Hail Mary, you caught one on the Whoa. sideline on third down. I think you got kicked by somebody on the sideline, too. Like that, it, Hail Mary doesn't happen without that catch. Absolutely. It was actually fourth down. Four, okay. Fourth down is fourth down and 16 in a playoff game against the mighty, mighty Minnesota defense where they had no rookies on that defense. They were all veteran players, double digits years in the league type players on that defense. And, you know, fourth and 16, you're not going to hit that play. The percentages are not in your favor. But Roger told me to run a post corner and hit me on the sideline for 22 yards in the first down. And we get back to the huddle. On the 50-yard line with about 32 seconds left, Roger said, Drew, what do you got? I said, Roger, I got no breath. I just ran that play over there. 
<laughs> run something else. <laughs> you know. So he ran a swing past the press and he dropped it. And what that did was stop the clock. And that gave us some time to uh, get in the huddle, call the Hail Mary play. Roger said, this time run a turn in, take off on Nate Wright. And we were able to hit that. What we wanted to do in that situation, we had about 28 seconds left in the game. We just wanted to take some shots in the end zone. And, uh, you know, we never figured or thought that maybe that first shot would do it for us. But it did do it via the Hail Mary. Awesome. RJ, you're up. Did you? Okay, so they asked about your favorite catch. Did you have a least favorite catch? I assume this is one that was over the middle and you just got cold (laughs) cut. Well, yeah, I guess uh, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, in the second quarter, on that same day in 74, where Clinton Longley came in and hit me that pass uh, to win the game, I got knocked out by Kenny Houston on a crackback crack back block and uh, laying on the turf. And that was a big deal then. But catching the pass from uh, an Atlanta Falcons coming over the middle, and I'm downfield, and there's a guy named Tommy Novus. Not mm. God rest his soul from the University of Texas, Tommy Nobis. And I'm saying, what the heck is he doing down here? 15 yards downfield. And he cold cocked me uh, over the middle. This is my rookie year. And uh, that little hole on the side of the helmet, that ear hole, it was in the front of the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the whole, I'm looking at that little hole, and I thought the whole world around me was blacked out. I said, oh, man, he hit me that hard, I can't even see, you know? So anyway, that was one of the least favorite catches, but uh, <laughs> not too many of those. They all, they all were pressures. All, I, uh, every catch I made, every catch we made, we prided ourselves. Me, Tony Hill, Butch Johnson, Billy Joe Dupree. We prided ourselves in making the catch, not dropping the football like these 36 drops. We don't do that. <laughs> Drew, Drew I'll, go, I'll go real quick here. We're running out of time. We talked about catches, of course, and passes. One of my favorite plays for you is a, is a block. I don't think Dorsett goes 99 if you're not down there doing what you're supposed to do and blocking and keeping that play alive. Uh, is Tony ever? Did he ever acknowledge that and, and, and talk to you about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, uh, he gives me credit for that. Uh, help him spring him uh, around that final block so he can uh, run into the end zone. But, you know, that, that's a block of the technique that the coaches teach you uh, on the outside. We call it a rooster block. You know, you're not trying to kill anybody. You're just trying to get in front of somebody. And the big thing about that play, people said I didn't have any speed. But I'm, I'm ahead of Dorsett running downfield, you know. <laughs> Tony Dorsett's pretty fast himself. So what Tony was doing, he was watching me. And when he saw me make that move to throw myself, because you, 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 uh, you uh, block, block, and then you throw, and you've got to time it. And so when Tony saw me throw my, my body to, to uh, get that last block, he went around me and went into the end zone un, untouched. But blocking was a big part for us receivers, uh, uh, especially when you had a running back like Tony Dorsett, because you never knew when he was going to break out of there. So you did not want to be the one missing your block downfield to keep him from scoring. Drew, before we get out of here, and we'll throw it around to the, to the group, we'll let you go first. What are your expectations of this team this year? I like what I see with the team. You know, it's hard to say what's going, what it's going to be like with no preseason games and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at the Cowboys' schedule, the first six games or so, I don't think they play a playoff team till 
you know, November against Philadelphia, a team that was in the playoff till November against Philadelphia. So if they get off to a good start uh, to this season and then may able to maintain it, like last year they got off to a good start, they weren't able to maintain it. But hopefully this year they get off to a good start, maybe uh, able to ma- maintain it and then continue to get better as the season goes. So I, I, I look at uh, uh, how many games they play, 16. I look at uh, a 12-win season. Well, wins, how far in the playoffs are they going? They're going all the way. This there was all year. Go. You didn't oh, know man. that? There we go. You guys didn't know that? I like it. This is a terrible year, man. Oh, hey, I, oh, I, I, yeah. co- I co-host. You know how we do. We know how we do in pandemics. I, you know, we overcome them. <laughs> I, I co-host a show with Nate Newton, and he's got us going 16-0 and every year and winning every year. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that logic. Nick, what's your expectation right this year? You know, they, they don't have to be a lot better than they were. I mean, last year, they, they blew out the teams that they won. They had some close losses. They got new coaching. They got some better players, I think, better talent. They only need to be just a little bit better than last year to get a few more wins. So for, I, I, I can see uh, 10 and 6, but I, I'm going to go with 11 and 5, actually. I, I, think, I think this is a much better football team. They'll be better coached. I'll go 11 and 5. Awesome. And RJ, what, what's your expectation? Uh, I think 10 and 6. I think it's, I think it's you know, this team is talented enough to win 10 games. They're flawed enough to lose 6. I mean, every team's flawed in the NFL, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's a 10-win football team. And, Nick, I understand if you and RJ don't want to participate because you might want to save your score for later in the week because oh, you, yeah. you have other shows. But, Drew, do you have a prediction for the game this weekend, a score prediction for Cowboys versus Rams? Yeah, all of a sudden, thirty-four to ten just came in my head. Hey, get thirty-four out. to ten. 30. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. Thirty-four to ten, Cowboy opening day victory. Thirty-four to ten, Cowboys. Nick, you want to play I, along? I, I just see Jalen Ramsey and that money he just got. They're going right at him. I mean, Aaron Donald. Amen. You get, you get those two guys contained and blocked. I think, I think you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, you got to. You know, I would say take the crowd out of the game, but I mean, you can't do that. I mean, it's it's going to be weird. It's just a weird dynamic, like RJ said. RJ, about five seconds. What you got? I think it's a high scoring game. I think it's a high scoring game this week. Uh, so I'll I'll throw a score out there for. You. I'll say thirty four thirty one. 34, 31, 34 to 10. Nick's not participating. <laughs> no way. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Fellas, this has been awesome. RJ, thank you for joining us. Nick, thanks for joining us. Drew, it was a pleasure. Whether you're getting ready this to This has purchase. been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!